It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, certified financial planners, my friends, business partners, colleagues, the list goes on and on. Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Are you trying to guess where the market is going? Is the stock market too high? And you should run for cover? Or do we still have a few more years of growth ahead of us? And that's what we're going to be discussing today. We're going to be trying to read the tea leaves as we discuss the best indicators of the long-term stock market and what they are telling us right now. I tell you, every single week, we're talking about what you're thinking about. And I, I, you know, this, this topic's pretty heavy, but I'm sure it's what you're thinking about. The market's high. We are now officially in the longest bull market ever on record, although there's a nuance that says that might not be true. But uh, this is what you're thinking about. Is the market too high? What should you do? That's what we're talking about today. If you have questions, we would love for you to reach out to us. We'd love to address it on an upcoming show or help you wherever you're at. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Submit a question right there or reach out to us right there. Latest blog is there as well. You can find that right on the same page. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Just search Wise Money Radio. And also, you can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. So one investment manager coined the, uh, the phrase that trying to predict the stock market in the short term is like trying to predict the flight pattern of a leaf in a hurricane. Now, I myself have never been in a hurricane. <laughs> Tornadoes actually scare me, but I can imagine that'd be pretty unpredictable. Long term, you know, even a leaf in a hurricane, that hurricane will pass, that leaf will fall to the ground. So long term, it's pretty obvious where the market should go. But I think this is a good analogy of trying to guess where the market's going to be day to day or week to week. Uh, there was a article in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago written by Mark Holbert. Kevin turned me on to it. And and it, it's really interesting. We're going to break it down today. The, the title of it, I've got it right in front of me, The Eight Best Predictors of the Long-Term Stock Market. And I'm just going to go ahead and read the first line here. The stock market's return over the next decade is likely to be well below historical norms. End of paragraph. We are going to get into why he says that, but first, is it even important? Is this relevant in the big picture? Yeah, that's the right question to be asking. I mean, should you even be on the hunt for some sort of crystal ball that maybe helps you predict where the turning points are in the stock market? And I I was remembering back, it's, I guess, been about a year or 10 years ago, rather. Uh, I, I bet at that time, nine out of 10 books that I was reading had to do with this subject. Uh, you know, what are the best uh, indicators of where the stock market's going? Because remember, at that time, that's when the stock market crash, you know, we were well into it and everybody was caught off guard by the magnitude. Most yeah. people understood that we were heading into a recession, but no one would have thought that Lehman Brothers would be 
uh, allowed to go bankrupt and then the the domino effect that came after that but mm-hmm. um, you know when, when you're going through that especially if you're guiding clients through it you start asking questions like man was was this predictable is this something that really could have been foreseen and everybody and their brother had some sort of an indicator that they were saying oh this is the one this is what tells you where the stock market's going and if it were true there wouldn't be hundreds of books on the subject there would be one right thousands of books there yeah. would be one right now this particular author in the wall street journal has boiled it down to the eight that he says mm-hmm. um these aren't even the eight that necessarily i i would have picked mm-hmm. but the point is um y- you know it's it's the wrong question to be asking you know 10 years ago i was thinking we've got to have a great indicator of where the market's going and that way we can protect clients from ever experiencing down markets or at least limiting the effect. And now, I, I don't know if it's wisdom or just time or what, but I feel like our attention needs to be a whole lot more on the behavior during those times and the habits that people have. Because looking back over the past 10 years at how well our clients have done, even uh, in spite of 2008, it had to do more with their behaviors than their ability to time the market. And we're going to be talking about those behaviors here coming up, but go ahead, Kevin. Well, yeah, so when I started my career back in 1994, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which if you listen to the radio or other things, they want to talk about the Dow and what's the Dow doing. It's 30 stocks. So that is not the market, but it is one segment of the market, and lots of people tune into that. So the Dow was at 3,754 when I started. And it's interesting because as I was going through uh, some mementos that I have, I found a, a term paper uh, that my dad had when he was going to Ferris State Institute, which became Ferris State College and later mm. Ferris State University. And it was the Dow, it, when he was writing his term paper in 1967. 500. Good. Uh, a, a fuzz shy. 879. Ah. Hmm. So in 1967, when I was just a twinkle in my dad's eye, it was <laughs> 879. In 94, when I started my career, it was 3,700, 3,700, let's say. And it, today it's 25,000. So the, so the interesting thing is when I started my career in 1994, I, I had a degree in finance from Central Michigan University, and I'm thinking okay, I am helping people make investment decisions. I'm a certified financial planner, so that's not all that I do, but it's a component of my job. And I I concluded that the only way to be really good at investments is to have 50 years experience. (laughs) So I thought, how do you start a career with 50 years experience? And I realized you, you couldn't. So the closest you could come to that would be to be an avid student of history. So I studied the stock market crash of 73 and 74, and I didn't really see anything negative in in client experiences, client returns until the year 2000. Right. So from 94 to 2000, the first six years of my career, the only direction that the stock market went was straight up. And I thought, okay, if the market is going straight up, I need to study what happens when it doesn't 
and I need to be preparing for that. Well, we're going to talk about that because the market's been going straight up for 10 years. And it's not straight up, I know, but it's been up for 10 years. And so a lot of people have had kids who have never seen a recession, right? My kids have never seen a recession. You might be an investor for the first time. Maybe you started, you launched your career nine years ago and you've never seen a market downturn. Um, it's it's worth talking about. And we're actually going to be talking about that uh, in in just a little bit. But I, I want to draw something out of what you said, Kevin, before we talk about a couple of these indicators. That's what you should be thinking on. When are you going to need this money? Because if it if your dad writing that term paper or you, when you launched your career, were really focused and really nervous about where the market was going to be n- the next year in 95, mm-hmm. or for your dad, I can't remember what, what year he wrote that, but the, the very next year, mm-hmm. you would have missed, you possibly could have mm-hmm. missed that incredible run from 800 to 3,700 to 25,000 if you were always just focused on what's next, what's next. That's the danger of this. At the same time, this is interesting. And and I think just um, the as as humans, we, we try to make sense out of nonsense and we try to predict and try to protect ourselves from dangers. And the investment world can can bring some dangers. We're, we're going to talk about these, these eight indicators, but the very first one, well, no, let me say this before Wait, we get into this. Can Go I ahead. answer the guy's question? I mean, if I – he's talking – you know, the stock market's return over the next decade is likely to be well below historical norms. That was a statement, not a question. But right. Yes. You so, can answer a statement. <laughs> so in the form of a question, I'll give you a statement. Here's the deal. If it's going to be well below historical norms, that is fantastic news for those of you who are buying. Mm. And the other thing is this guy – is writing, right? Yeah. So he gets paid to write and create content. Is he right or wrong? No one will ever remember if this guy was right or wrong. Yeah. So anyway, I this is great news. If you're an investor, that's that's the best news you've heard all day. Well, let me let me shock you. The very first one, the very first indicator that is the most reliable, and by the way, it's not that reliable, but it's the most reliable of the ones that are cited here actually deals with investor behavior in a contrarian way. When everyone's betting one thing, consider betting the opposite. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Could your behavior be telling you a little bit about where the market's going. That's an interesting question. We're going to answer that here in just a second. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us today. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the at the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group and in the KFG studios. Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern & Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. And if you have a question, once again, let me just remind you, you can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. Call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. You can watch every episode. Actually, Josh and Kevin right now are being very studious. I don't, what are you guys doing? You're writing notes and highlighting? Wow. I'm taking notes on everything you say, Mike. I am very impressed. We had some technical difficulties with the video the last couple of weeks, but we're on, so you can find us there. Just search Wise Money Radio. You can find us on YouTube and, uh, excuse me, Facebook and Twitter as well. 
All right, we are talking about what you're thinking about, and that is, is the market too high? Where's the market gonna go? And we already addressed, that's dangerous thinking. Dangerous thinking, we're gonna talk about habits and really what you should be focused on and having maybe an investment philosophy and overall strategy as opposed to just being scared of your shadow or looking at what could tomorrow bring. Well, tomorrow's Sunday, market's closed. So I mean Monday, you know what I mean. Um, but what are these ratios saying? What are indicators saying about where the market's going? Yeah, uh, most of these indicators, the the direct answer is uh, they're saying the stock market is expensive, right? Yep. Now, you may have been thinking that anyway just because you hear, oh, the stock market has hit another all-time high. And uh, so just getting to a high dollar amount for the Dow Jones Industrial Average must mean that it's expensive. But just like everything else in life, it's all based on, well, what are you getting for uh, what you're, you're paying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is $50,000 a lot for a car? Yeah, it could be. Uh, or maybe it's a really good bargain on a very expensive car. Who knows? It, it just depends on what you're pr- uh, comparing that price to. And the stock market's always supposed to go up. Over time, we should be hitting new highs and new highs. It's not something that bounces around in a flat range over the long term. No. Uh, just like prices of everything go up over time, so do values of businesses. And that is what is made up in the stock market. That's right. You know, the the very first indicator that's listed in this uh, particular article is referring to uh, what portion of families' uh, kind of net worth or their assets are invested in the stock market, mm. okay? And, and in other words, how heavy have you gone into the stock market as compared to maybe some some safer investments like bonds or real estate, other things like that? And uh, the, the interesting thing is, is that throughout history, there's been pattern after pattern, you know, just demonstrated over and over that we kind of heard all in the same direction, and it's often the wrong direction. When the stock market is hot, everybody wants to pile more and more and more in, and so it becomes a bigger and bigger portion of your overall net worth, and that's often at the exact wrong time. You know, it's it's at the bottom of the market when things are cheap. That's when we should be piling in uh, like crazy. But it tends to happen more after a long run-up that everyone feels like, man, I, I need to get some more of this because everything just keeps making money for me. Can I just – I don't know if I'm going to be able to communicate this well. But, the, but, the, but, but uh, supposedly the most reliable indicator – only has about a 50-50 success rate, by the way. Um, and statisticians out there will, will say, no, that's not exactly right, but it's pretty close. Um, that's the most reliable one at 50-50. And it's based on your own guess. So you've guessed or investors have guessed and said, I'm going to load up on stocks right now. And this ratio says, yeah, most of the time when you load up too much on stocks, you're wrong. So stop guessing. Right now, this article is baiting people into guess then. Guess, guess, make some other predict- prediction. And isn't, I think it just is a, is a clear indication of the dangers of making these predictions. Because the very first indicator says, if you're predicting and want to invest in more stocks, once that hits a certain level, that might mean you should do the opposite. Yeah, and I, I look at this in... Intuitively, it makes sense to me that households would have more of their net worth in stocks, bonds, and cash. 
because it used to be the way that you, your retirement looked is you had Social Security and a pension from the company. Well, that pension from the company, that, that check that hit your mailbox every month, represented the, the, the goodness of stocks, bonds, and cash that the company had invested on your behalf, mm-hmm. and they were taking an income from it. So I, so as I look at this, and as the pension has gone the, the way of the buggy whip, I think, okay, it is... It's, it makes sense to me that more people would. But I, I think if, you're, if you are an investor, really, the, I believe the investors have all turned off the radio and have left. <laughs> because if you're an investor, you're, you're doing things based on guiding principles. On a process. Uh, yeah. And you have a process that you follow. And I, I, I was just having a, a, a nice conversation with a friend uh, this past weekend, and he was saying, so... Why don't you just, why doesn't everyone just do, you know, put money in a Vanguard index fund? And I said, well, that's not a bad, uh, it's a tool. It's not a bad thing. We're going to be talking about that on next week's show, by the way. Yeah, but the but here's the thing. The average investor, according to the Dalbar study over 20 years, the market did 11% and the average investor did 4 And this indicator basically says the same thing. Be wary of where investors are betting. Which is just it's just interesting to say. Well, then maybe you should bet differently. It's, stop betting. Have a process. That's, right. that, that's the answer. Don't bet at all. And, and that's that's what we help our the 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 new advisors, the up and coming certified financial planners in our firm understand is that if you are emotional about your money, you're going to make bad decisions. Most people can't be unemotional about their money. Yeah. The, uh, so let's just round out the article. And then we need to talk about habits and what really you should be doing instead of talking about just kind of the fodder here. But so the rest of these um, indicators, so things like price to sales ratio, uh, price to book, the PE ratio, I, the, a lot of lot of jargon in there. But they're all reading that the market's expensive. They, they, they all are right now. Um, we look at some other research as well. We get research from all sorts of places. We're, we are totally independent. So we get research from all sorts of places. And uh, we've got other indicators, not indicators, but readings on the market that show it's appropriately valued, not overvalued, where these are all saying that it's overvalued. So, so, what, so if these indicators that this person is, this um, writer, not financial planner or investor, is, is saying, hey, the markets could be overvalued, what, what should you be doing about it? Well, you know, we, we just got done talking about how a lot of households are uh, starting to overload a little bit heavy into stocks. That can happen just naturally because your stock investments have grown more than everything else. Exactly. What if right? you just kept it in that target date fund? Not recommending, just stating, kept it in that target date fund, but your stocks have grown and your bonds really haven't. That's right. So uh, one of the most disciplined things that you can do within your investment portfolio is to rebalance. And it's basically a way of pruning back the stuff that has grown faster 
and uh, maybe pouring a little bit of fertilizer on the stuff that hasn't grown as much to keep your overall portfolio shaped the way that you intended originally. Yeah. And by doing that, by selling some of those stocks and buying some of those uh, bonds and other real estate, you're essentially selling high and buying low. Because bonds right now are negative for the year. And first time in a while. It doesn't happen that often, or at least not since interest rates have been on a you know, three-decade decline. Yeah, so. interest rates go up, bond prices go down. We're, we're seeing a negative year in bonds. And just beware if you're rebalancing, if you are not doing that in a retirement plan of the tax consequences yeah. of doing so. Some of you should be doing that because your capital gains rate is zero. Right. So you should be doing that. Some of you shouldn't because your capital gains rate is 15 or 20%. So make sure you're working with your certified financial planner to make these decisions. Especially because your certified financial planner will help you tie your investment decisions to the goal that, that those dollars are matched to. If, if retirement is on the horizon here and you need to be paring back a little bit of that risk, maybe now is a good time to be, to be doing that, but they'll be able to help you get the right level of risk within your portfolio for the next stage of life that you're coming into. Okay, so I hear you and I completely agree. Make sure you're rebalancing, beware of the tax consequences, make sure you're rebalancing within a process. Don't just sporadically do it. Okay, here's a question. Should you continue to save into equities? We've got that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'm Mike here with Josh and Kevin in the KFG studios. Thanks for being with us. Thank you also to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Couldn't do it without you. We are discussing what in the world the market's going to do tomorrow, which is anyone's guess. But Wall Street Journal posted an article about eight different indicators they claim are the best indicators and what they're all saying. And therefore, that leads into what should you be doing about it? That's exactly where we're at. What should you be doing? If you have a question, need some help, whatever, reach out to us. You can find us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And you can reach us on social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube channel there, also Wise Money Radio. You can find us that way. So eight different indicators, each of them, the most successful is a 50-50 chance of being right, and then it goes down from there. So these aren't, you know, this is no crystal ball. There is none out there, right? But these particular ones are saying market's high. We're looking at others that say the market's appropriately valued based on expectations for the economy. And and actually, um, that's what the stock market is. It's an average of the guesses of what we expect the businesses to do over the um, you know, foreseeable future. I mean, so, so in and of itself, the stock market in a way is, a, in, is an indicator, right? It is, and that's really counterintuitive because most people hear things like low unemployment and strong growth in the economy and believe that that translates into future great stock performance. But they don't realize that the stock market is predicting where the economy is going, right. not the other way around. And so 
uh, long before the economy starts to falter and go into a recession, the stock market will begin its slide in anticipation of that economic decline. Right. So it's the exact opposite of how you would think it would work. So you actually trying to trying to find that crystal ball. You're trying to predict the predictor, which again you would just assume that your success is not going to be that great. So, but what should you be doing about this? Okay. And Josh said absolutely rebalance. Make sure you've got a systematic way of rebalancing. I completely agree. I would also argue continue to save into equities. This is not the time to say, all right, well, ooh, it might be a little tough. Let me switch my 401k contributions to just go into cash. I, if you're feeling, if you need to downgrade your risk for your overall retirement plan, if now's the time, say, you know what, I need to downgrade my risk, I would rebalance mm-hmm. your, your allocation, but continue to invest into stocks because if it is a, a, a bumpy ride over the next five to 10 years, like Kevin already said earlier, you're welcome. I mean, that, that yeah. that's great news if you're investing, only if you're investing in stocks. Though. You're echoing uh, the conversation I'm having with clients over and over right now as many of them are coming up on the eve of retirement and we're trying to get the portfolio positioned in a way that uh, minimizes some of the risk, especially if a bear market could be coming in the next two or three years. And um, in, in doing so though, I'm careful to point out that yes, they need to still stay more aggressive with their future contributions because you want your new dollars, money that you're saving out of each paycheck to be going into investments that are on more of a roller coaster ride. Those investments that could get cheap at some point here, uh, that they could represent some bargain, you know, buying opportunities. And uh, you're only going to take advantage of those if you're staying more aggressive with the future contributions that are going in. That's called dollar cost averaging. That's right. And something else to consider as when when this is the traditional thinking. Okay, oh stocks are are high, and I want to do something about it, so I will um, sell stocks and buy bonds. Oh, be very careful. Be very careful uh, with that because if you're wrong, if if you're if that bet is wrong, and the economy continues to plug along, maybe it's a little slower growth, but it still is trying along. We are in a rising interest rate environment, so your bonds carry more risk with them today than they have previously. So you could get out of stocks to avoid a downturn and go right into what you are trying to avoid. Now, I hear you. A, a, A bad year in bonds is similar to a bad day in stocks. I get it. But you might be simply accepting what what did the article say over the next 10 years um there's a there's a decent chance the market will just do a little bit over inflation uh listen listen bonds might not do that at all if we stay in a rising interest rate environment so just be very careful about that so um i would also argue manage diversification and but uh, above and beyond and kevin I'm, i'm stealing your thunder a little bit You've got to you've got to tune into your financial plan. Uh, that's what you should be. What, so, what should you do with this information? You should look to see if you're on track with your goals. Look at your financial plan to make sure you're on track. You cannot. I. You just can't make investment decisions in a vacuum outside of what your overall financial plan is and what you're trying to accomplish. Right. And and remember the the tools that you have the most powerful tool that you have for accumulating wealth is likely your income and the places that you can save 
income into, whether that's a retirement plan at work or it's something that you set up outside of work. But systematically investing is by far and away the best way to accumulate wealth. And when you do it systematically, you can you can turn a blind eye to this because there's this thought that, hey, I need to figure out what the market's going to do and then make my decisions. And that it's completely backwards. You mm-hmm. need to make your decisions and then not care what the market's going to do. <laughs> That's exactly right. One of the other things that I would say, and this is going to lead us right into what we wanted to address next, is with all of this information, you, you need to have a process. You need to have a process, a systematic way of managing your investments. That way, you can avoid the noise that is splastered on the front page of this Wall Street Journal section. And, you know, the, the Wise Money Show is not an infomercial for KFG. It's not a commercial advertisement for KFG. It is a love story about financial planning. It's really communicating this is how you need to approach your overall financial life and give you some nuggets and, and some perspective to, to help you along that way. But, Josh, let's share a little bit of our process um, and, and um, philosophy on managing investments. It seems appropriate in light of what these indicators could be saying. Well, I know I'm kind of piggybacking on what you guys just said, but the investment planning, the the investment decision-making process is a subset of the financial planning process. And you, you use the financial plan to define what your need is and what you're trying to accomplish with the investments. No one's out there, or few people I should say, are out there just growing their investments, just trying to build wealth just for the sake of building wealth. There's a, there's a purpose, there's a goal attached to the money that you're trying to accumulate and grow. Often we think of it as retirement, but that particular goal, defining what your investments need to do, what part are they going to play in helping you achieve that retirement goal is the first step. It's what allows us to figure out, well, how much risk do you even need to be taking with your investments? How much rate of return do you need to be able to achieve so that the goal is achievable? And uh, again, how much risk you're taking is just part of the equation. I I would be asking questions like, well, are you willing to work longer? Are you willing to save more? Are you willing to spend less in retirement? All of that can have an impact on how much risk you're actually needing to take with your portfolio. But let's say for a moment that you've gone through that process with a certified financial planner. You know what kind of rate of return your investments need to achieve. Now you need to go craft a a mix of investments that will help you have the best shot at actually achieving that. In, In our world, we recognize that there's actually three different investment philosophies used out there, three different ways of picking those investments. And we don't believe that one of them is better than the other. We don't think one's great, you need to avoid the other two. They all have merit, they all have strengths, they also all have Achilles heels, Mm. okay? And so, in our opinion, how you piece those three together, how you balance three different investment philosophies is going to control what kind of roller coaster are you experiencing, what kind of emotions are you going to encounter as you're building towards these important goals. There's a couple things I want to hit there. The first one, though, is... Um, it's all built on the idea of diversification, which is built on the idea that you can't predict the flight pattern of the leaf in the hurricane. You you just can't. And yes, being diversified means you're always going to need to, um, 
you're always going to be upset with some of your investments, right? But we our our approach here, especially in light of what these um, indicators could be saying, is you should have a diversified, diversified approach. Yes, I meant to say that twice. We'll tell you a little bit more about what I mean by that, as well as talk about, all right, how are you going to handle the next recession? That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. If the stock market is at a high level right now, in the next 10 years do look a little bleak, what should you be doing about it? That's what we're talking about on today's show. If you've missed anything, let me tell you, you can go check out the full episode and every other episode a few different ways. You can find all of them on the YouTube channel. Just search Wise Money Radio. You can subscribe to it. You can like it. They're all right there. I got to tell you, it is somehow just a little bit more stimulating to watch us in the studio and listen to everything. But uh, that's your choice. I'm just saying that's my opinion. That's your choice. So you can find every episode right there. You can watch it. You can also find us on podcast, iTunes, Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. That's Corhorn with a K. Subscribe to that. Share those, all sorts of different things. And lastly, every episode's also on the website, wisemoneyradio.com. Great news there is you can also leave us a question if you'd like, just right there on the right. Submit your question. That turns into an email, goes right to me, and we're all set. We'll hit it on an upcoming show. Today, we've been discussing the stock market, that there are some indicators out there suggesting it's at a high level. And and actually, there's a pretty prominent, or excuse me, pretty um, loud article recently in the Wall Street Journal with a pretty scary tone. And so we're addressing that today, talking about, listen, there's, you know, it's just anyone's guess. You need to have a process. You need to have philosophy. You need to have um, guiding principles as it relates to investments. Before I ask a really big question about behavior, let me share, let's make sure we share a little bit more about our philosophy here. So we believe in having um, a diversified approach, but we believe in diversifying your strategies. So it's having diversified strategies and diversification within each of them. So if you're just using diversification, then you've got a recipe of U.S. and international stocks, bonds, real estate, cash. That's good. That is good. And you need to stick with it, even when the market's telling you, um, you know, things could be high or, or whatever. But what happens when everything in, in each of those baskets moves in the same direction at the same time? you need to have a different strategy that might not move in the same direction, right? And so we offer that here. We've got, um, we've got some momentum strategies. Right now, it's interesting because if the market is high and if you're worried about it and if you don't wanna ride through that, do you have a disciplined way of making changes to your investments? And, and that's something that we offer at KFG. It's a momentum strategy and um, it's not trying to time the market. It's tracking the momentum of the market. That's, those are two different two different things. 
you know, these three different investment philosophies, they each have a name. And uh, the, the first one is called a strategic approach to investing. And this is the most traditional way of investing. It's uh, probably the way that you're managing your own 401k. You're following a certain recipe of uh, or mix of investments. And the the hope is that you're sticking to it through the ups and downs of the market. You're not making lots of changes based on what you think uh, the market is going to throw at you next. The, the second is a tactical approach to investing. And this is one where uh, hopefully a professional money manager is helping make subtle adjustments within the portfolio, leaning a little bit more aggressive or growth oriented at times and maybe more conservative at other times, depending on where we are in a market cycle. And then the third one, that momentum strategy that Mike was just talking about, is known as a dynamic approach. And this is a philosophy that's trying to focus in on the bright spots within the investment world, not try to hold everything all the time, um, but instead hold the stuff that makes sense right now and have a disciplined approach for getting out in in the future. Not one of these is right all the time. Exactly. It's diver- it's diversification. So you're always upset at some of your investments when you're diversified. And same with these strategies. You're always looking at one of them saying, ah, why is it performing that way? That's right. So w- w- what we help people to do is piece together in the right proportions how much money you have in each of the three philosophies based on where you are and what your goals are. Mm -hmm. Again, it all goes back to that financial plan that defines what you're trying to accomplish with the money. That's right. That's right. Speaking of financial plan, here's the big question. And I think it really underscores really what we've been talking about today. What are you going to do in the next recession. You know, we're riding this 10-year high of the stock market and it's been an it's been a very very emotional ride and we don't know where the market's going to go tomorrow and for the foreseeable future, but we do know it's inevitable. We'll have another recession. We're going to have lots more. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Say over the next year, stocks find themselves down 25%. What are you going to do? And what should you be doing now to prepare for it? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the conversations I seem to be having over and over with a lot of folks who are, uh, you know, coming up to retirement in the next handful of years, let's say, uh, I've been challenging them to start saving more for retirement. Um, and that's not because, oh, look at the fabulous run you've been having. Let's just keep piling more in because it's a fun time to be an investor. Josh, you're to blame for this ratio being out of whack. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, The the point here is I do believe, and I I don't know when it's going to happen, but there's going to come a time when the investment world is unfriendly. And it's not just going up, up, and away. There's going to be more choppiness. There may even be an extended down period of time. And that is a fantastic buying opportunity for someone who is still accumulating for retirement. This might be your last great bargain opportunity before retirement. And so you want to take advantage of it and maybe even take advantage of it to a higher degree than you have in the past. And the discipline of saving more for retirement is uh, is one of the ways that you take advantage of it. It also has the effect of reducing what you have available to spend right now. And kind of disciplining yourself, forcing yourself to maybe live on a little bit less right now 
could be great uh, preparation, great uh, dress rehearsal for what retirement could be. Because what if there is a two-year stretch where you need to live just a little bit more conservatively while you let your investments rebound from the next decline? These are things you don't have to do, but if you'll choose to do them, it could make all the difference in the next few years. Very wise advice, Josh. Yeah, I love what Josh is saying. So if I if I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking if I'm approaching retirement, I might want to I might want to work longer. I might want to save more. I want to be very aggressive about whatever debt that I might have on the books. Mm-hmm. But if you were, if we were talking just about the investing birds and the bees, we would say a couple of things. One is when the market goes down and we're talking about, hey, when the market goes down, invest more. You're going to hear a familiar refrain. It's different this time. Mm -hmm. So you have to ignore that refrain. It's not different this time. So So you need to be prepared to invest. And if you want expectations, I would expect a down market two out of every five years. And you might look and say, "Well, wait a minute. Look at the last. Uh, look at the last ten. We've only had w- one, or have we even had one?" So you say, "Well, that hasn't proven true." And I say, "Well, that's fine. Plan on it. Yeah. That way, when it happens, you won't be disappointed." That's right. You know, I've been encouraging a lot of people to actually quantify what the next decline could do within their portfolio. So if if on average history yeah. has shown they don't call Mr. Fun for nothing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's why Josh's middle name is the wet blanket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I embrace it. Go ahead. So, okay, yeah, okay, continue, Eeyore, so continue. Do this math though, because it will help prepare you for the emotions that you're going to experience. If every five to seven years the stock market has a pullback that we call a bear market, it doesn't even trigger a bear market until it's fallen twenty percent. The average bear market is down 30%, though. Now, if you're diversified, you're working with a certified financial planner, we wouldn't expect your portfolio to go through that. But what if it was half? What if it was 15%? And, uh, you know, a portfolio of a million bucks. Mike, you want to try to do that math? No. 150 grand. Learned. 150 grand. You know how much uh, effort and sacrifice it takes to go save 150 grand. If there was that kind of a swing, what will your response be? Now is the time to choose and choose wisely. That that 150 grand isn't going to sink the ship. It uh, it may stir some emotions, but it doesn't have to ruin retirement for you. For a lot of you, your response right now should be making sure you've got the right financial coach, making sure you've got the right financial plan, you have the right financial perspective so you're making the right decisions at the right time, even if we start getting into some difficulties and challenges in the stock market. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for being with us. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.